When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Is it a gadget? Is it a gizmo? No, it's gadgets and gizmos with Steve Kaplan and Simon Rose. Oh, where would you like to begin again? This time? Well, we're going to begin on the road. Okay. And you know when you're driving around and you're using either Waze or Google Maps mm. as your sat-nav, mm. and it's very clever. It knows where the traffic is because it takes that data from all of the other drivers who are also using Waze or mm. Google Maps. Uh, Waze is better at it than Google Maps, which is kind of odd because uh, Google now own Waze. So I don't quite know why it's better, but that's the way it is. It, is it does appear better. to be, yes, I confess. So why can't traffic lights do the same thing? Well, it turns out they can. Google has introduced AI-powered traffic lights. And... Under Project Green Light, as they're calling it, mm. Manchester will be the first city in the UK to have these traffic lights installed. Google say they can get thirty uh, percent less likely for for cars to have to stop at traffic lights with their AI lights because mm. they know how many cars there are going in both directions. Uh, Manchester say that actually there's an eighteen percent improvement. They don't always follow what Google says they should be doing because in Manchester, the traffic lights, as most places, are prioritised for buses and pedestrians, whereas Google can't understand traffic lights being prioritised for anything other than motorists. Because it's American. Because it's American. Yes. 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 As in getting stopped by the police for wandering around um, Beverly Hills on, on foot a long time ago. Asked what on earth we thought we were doing. Well, we're just walking. Seems oh. It was a very strange idea. Very strange idea. They don't I'm like just back from Turin, which is is apparently one of the first cities ever to have computer-controlled traffic lights. And oh. that sort of thing. I was expecting massive traffic jams, much like in the Italian job. Sadly, it all seems to work incredibly well. <laughs> <laughs> but I'd say they have a they have a, a I don't know what they call them, but they have what you and I would call a zebra crossing on almost every corner, and drivers oh. almost always stop. It's extraordinary. Ah, oh, splendid. Yes, yes. What a good thing. Yes, I'm not looking forward to going out into <clears throat> London now. Right, so where do we go now? Well, we go up into space. Oh, exciting. Uh, the Artemis programme, as you know, will be landing on the moon in 2025. Mm-hmm. First time people have been back to the moon for some time. I have been, incidentally, been start- starting the third series of For All Mankind on Apple TV Plus. Thank you for the recommendation. It is fantastic. Yes, this is a sci-fi thing about the uh, uh, supposing that the space race between the Russians and the Americans had 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 not sort of ceased quite so early. And I, it's absolutely yes. brilliant. Um, it is absolutely very good. Why people have not heard of it, I do not know. Mm. And I'm glad you like it. Yeah, okay. I love it. Uh, I'm assuming anyway. <clears> though that the, the plot of From Mankind should not have anything to do with the Artemis program. There'll be no, it doesn't. It when they go back to the moon mm. in 2025, astronauts will be wearing spacesuits designed by Prada. <laughs> Seriously? How about that? Seriously? Yes. Right. Okay. Which sounds faintly ridiculous, but it turns out that the spacesuits that uh, um, 
Buzz Aldrin and I'm going to say Louis Armstrong, but it's not Louis Armstrong. It's the other one. <laughs> yes, Neil Armstrong. Louis Armstrong. Fly, fly me to the moon, he said. <laughs> the spacesuits they wore were mm. hand sewn by seamstresses at the International Latex Corporation, which was owned by Latex, makers Gracious. of braziers. How utterly bizarre. So I have seen some early uh, demos of the new Prada-designed spacesuits. Mm. They look like spacesuits. Oh, so it's disappointing, really. Isn't it, it is quite disappointing. There is nothing, <laughs> nothing remotely uh, exotic or um, or fashionable about them. But oh, there we go. It's a great shame. What do you think so with all these, up... with all these amateur astronauts going to space? That there'd be there'd be um, a market for for spacesuits yeah. with a bit of bling. I'm sure. I'm sure the amateur astronauts will be able to supply their own bling or have okay. it sewn on in some way. Fantastic. So what what now? Well, we're moving slightly closer to Earth with mm -hmm. the Cyclotech. The Cyclotech is a it's a it's a concept flying car. It's a two-seater mm -hmm. electric vertical takeoff and landing car. And what's special about this one is it uses cyclo rotors. So imagine, picture if you will, an oil drum in which the sides are spinning blades. So not the top and bottom, mm -hmm. but the, the, the drum part of the drum. You take four of those mounted horizontally. Uh, they're each about, um, well, about two feet high, sort of uh, um, oil drum size. They're, and they're mounted horizontally. Two at the front at chest height, two at the back at head height. Um, nothing to stop you walking into any of them. And Ow. there are two more that go lengthways along it. It is vast. It is six point <laughs> seven meters long, which is somewhat longer than the than a Rolls Royce. Right. Uh, three point three meters wide, which is significantly wider than the Rolls Royce, and over two and a half meters high, by my reckoning. It is absolutely huge and looks quite bizarre. And uh, the idea—I mean, you I, I couldn't keep it in the garage because there aren't any garages big enough. So the sort of the spruce goose of flying cars. They are the spruce goose of flying cars. They say they're going to be launching in 2035, which gives them plenty of time to either invent it or decide they're going to do something else instead. Uh, and no protection <clears throat> against these these sort of blades, which is quite scary. And and how fast does it actually go on the ground? Because the last one you discussed, the last flying car, had a sort of the speed of a lawnmower or something actually on the ground, didn't it? Yes, I don't think these ones actually go on the ground. I think they're just up in the air. Oh, right. Okay. Hmm. Just up in the air. Right. Yeah. Okay. Well, they've missed a trick there. They have. <laughs> Get rid of some of those pesky pedestrians when you're on the ground. For a two-seater car, it is very, very large indeed. Okay. Anyway, that's uh, that's the way it is. Uh, so moving slightly closer to Earth, but actually, <clears> probably, <throat> no, actually further up into space, I suppose. Air freight. <clears throat> Air freight is expensive. Partly because the planes are always modified conventional planes, so they have cylindrical bodies which is fine when you're putting in lots of passengers and you want headroom and then you want space underneath to put the mm -hmm. bags in. But if you're loading it up with containers, a cylindrical body wastes a lot of space. So this is the drone liner, which has a rectangular cross-section with sort of somewhat rounded corners. Mm -hmm. um, it is uh, most uh, conventional air, uh, air freight planes are side-loading because they can't get them in the back because there are engines in the way. They can't get them in the front because there's a cockpit in the way. Mm -hmm. 
this one does load at the front because there's no cockpit, because there is no pilot. How about that? It is going to be remotely piloted by presumably some 17-year-old with a PlayStation <laughs> yes, controller yes. sitting in his yes. bedroom somewhere. Yes. You just have to hope he doesn't get confused with the game mm. he's also playing with his mate at the same time. Exactly. I hope his mate doesn't hack it. Yes. Yes. Um, uh, but surely the, the, the cylindrical mm. shape is relatively uh, streamlined and, and thus kind of goes through the air quite well. If it's more rectangular, is that not a problem? It is still pretty streamlined. It is has less structural integrity because the the cylindrical shape has tremendous integrity. This yeah. it it doesn't because the, the 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 forces on it vary over the, the the width and height of the of the body. So I'm not sure about that. But anyway, there are going to be two versions: the DL two hundred, which can carry up to forty containers, yeah. and the two engine DL three fifty which can take up to 80 containers. No word on how much they cost, but if you go to droneliner.com and register interest, I'm sure a gang of salesmen will appear at your door <laughs> trying to persuade you to buy one. All right. Uh, we'll drone on again in a moment. So and drone liners too? Firmly onto Earth, or very, very close to Earth. Wheelchairs. Mm. Wheelchairs, as you know, like Daleks, can't climb stairs, mm. which is a bit of a problem. And having spent three months uh, in a wheelchair after I broke my knee, I know that when people are talking down to you, literally, they mm. also talk down to you figuratively. They do mm. treat you very differently when you're in a wheelchair. They talk a little bit slower and a little bit louder. Oh, and well, you didn't include me. <laughs> I broke my knee. My my brain is still working fine, but they don't they don't have anything to do with that. Right. So the Korea Institute of Machinery and Materials have come up with a wheelchair that has a retractable tank track module that appears at the bottom of it when it's needed, and it'll go up and down stairs. It also has honeycomb pattern shape shifting wheels that bend over the stairs. Mm -hmm. And if you want to talk to someone, it'll straighten up. So you're effectively standing upright while strapped into this wheelchair. Um, no video, but I have seen photographs of it being tried out. Mm. And the tester in the photographs is wearing a crash helmet, which right. doesn't, doesn't give you a lot of, lot of confidence. No, indeed. No. Well, let's hope the Daleks don't find out about this because they've got their own built-in crash helmets let's <laughs> they do indeed yes <laughs> okay uh onwards onwards in case this is all making you a bit dozy all this talk of drones and wheelchairs hmm. you might want a nap and of course you can just go and have a nap on a bed or on your couch wherever you prefer but if you're a japanese salary man as they like to call hmm. businessmen having a nap at the office is a bit more difficult because there aren't beds. So there have been all kinds of ingenious solutions for people to have a nap at the office. And the latest one is the giraffe nap. And the <laughs> giraffe nap, it's about the size of a telephone box. And you sleep standing up in it. Mm -hmm. Very curious. So it, you had a, a tilting, tilting seat that you sort of lean against. And you press your shins against a padded support in front of you. And then at shoulder height is a padded shelf. And you sort of cross your arms and rest your head on your arms. And you sleep standing up just like that. It looks 
terribly uncomfortable. It's called a giraffe nap because giraffes sleep standing up. I mean, so to cows, frankly, but I think calling it a cow nap probably <laughs> wouldn't have the same kind of appeal. Yes. How peculiar. So you're not inclined to try one. I'm not inclined to try one. It looks it, it really does look very uncomfortable indeed, but I'm I'm sure it'll go very well in whichever Japanese cities first implement it. Okay. Uh, time for us just to pause for a moment, then we'll have more gadget gizmos. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Sharing ideas about money. This is Share Radio. This is Simon Rose and Steve Kaplan is here to talk about gadgets and gizmos. Where do we go now? Well, first there was cuisine and then there came nouvelle cuisine. And one of the things that characterised nouvelle cuisine, apart from the incredibly small portions, (laughs) was um, the the decoration. So the little drops of sauce and other things dotted around your plate in in an artistic way. Mm -hmm. But the trouble is... They don't move around. Well, that that's a problem, to... is it? That called all come to an end due to Monash University and their project entitled Dancing Delicacies Designing Computational Food for Dynamic Dining Trajectories. And it consists of a plate with a, an electromagnetic grid inside it which is connected to a rather chunky box that suppose sits on the table and and then you can move things around on your plate or rather the chef can pre-program moving things around let's i can't explain it very well let's have a listen to the project lead uh jalian dung just by manipulating electrodes frame by frame chefs can choreograph various dining trajectories We've compiled a preliminary library of food materials, and we also identified eight basic droplet operations to facilitate actions such as food traveling, merging, blending, and releasing. Hmm. Uh, I'm so much. It's all so much clearer to me now. <laughs> so, well, I've seen video of it. Hmm. So you have droplets of sauces, but also droplets of liquid containing little specks of what look like fish. Could be could be mushroom, I suppose. Right. And the chef, when he's finished, then programs your plate to dance for you. So that all these things move around in a in an engaging manner. Well, if it's too engaging, you're not going to eat the food. You're just going to no. look at the plate. You're going to look at well, can you eat the food if it keeps running away from you? Well, I mean you get your fucking to scoop something up <laughs> before you know it's the other side of the plate. Well entertaining for the chef, perhaps, but you can think most chefs probably haven't got enough time for doing all this. And besides that, of course, plates are so, so passe these days in restaurants. Yes, it's all slate and wooden, stuff, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Yes. yeah. Well, well, intriguing. I don't it think I'll be holding my breath until I can try it. Well, I think with that case, we should move on to our crowdfunding time of the week. 
In that case, you have the new fanfare, which I know you prefer to the old one. Thank you very much. You're welcome. And we started the, the show talking about <clears throat> being up on the moon. Mm. And we are back on the moon. No, we started oh, by talking about traffic. Really. We, we started traffic talking about traffic with, yeah, and yeah. then we jumped up yeah, to the moon yeah, yeah. after that. Exactly. Item two, I think, was yes. uh, on the moon. This is the Lunar 1,622. I don't know if it's Lunar 1,622 or Lunar 1.622. It's just Lunar 1,622 is the name of this. Mm. And it is a watch. It's a watch with a picture of the moon on its face. And there's the Neil Armstrong quote going around the edge of it, the one giant leap yeah. uh, quote. And there's a tiny capsule with a glass cover next to the crown, which contains a small amount of moon dust. Ooh. Yes, actual genuine moon dust, which they got from Northwest Africa, from apparently a moon meteorite. Because some things, such things do occur. So it came from the moon in the form of a meteorite, and they somehow bagged this meteorite, ground it up, and put it into into the watch. How can they prove it's from the moon well, and not I from some other moon? Yeah, I don't know. <clears throat> they they say it definitely is. They've given the serial number of the meteorite, so you can probably look it up to check. And if you want that one, it is five hundred and ninety nine dollars. But 480 quid, or you can get the standard version for oh, 200 dollars less, which doesn't have the moon dust, but it has a tiny replica of Neil Armstrong's footprint. Right, okay, yes. not something I'm right. going to be rushing to. I can't have a feeling if it, was, if it had been Louis Armstrong rather than um, Neil Armstrong that we'd have a different quote. Oh, <laughs> you probably would. <laughs> We probably would. Does one thousand six hundred twenty-two have some significance to do with the moon? I, they don't mention that anywhere on their on their Kickstarter page. I couldn't quite understand why. Oh, and while we're in Kickstarter, there's another mm. one that I just have to mention, which is the Moksha M O K S H A Smart Meditation Tool. Mm. And their take is that in order to meditate correctly, you have to control your breathing. So this device which they call the future of stress relief, <laughs> consists of a little capsule about the size of, I was going to say the size of a cigarette lighter, but actually it is the size of a vape. Right. And it has a mouthpiece. And you breathe into it, and you control your breathing via a series of games that appear on your screen. So you watch the screen, and you sort of breathe and in and breathe out in time to make balls jump over obstacles. Mm. And they say that this will chill you out, bruv, in it, <laughs> and um, make you release your stress greatly, more than just breathing by itself. Surely people are able to meditate and control their breathing with that. Having a... They probably are. But for those who can't, $119, just under 100 quid, mm -hmm. will get you one of these if and when they ever reach production. You have until the 26th of October to try this one out. So only a couple of weeks on that one. But who knows? Maybe it's, maybe it's a thing. Forgive me if I don't rush and order one. Let's have one of these and then we'll go on. And talking of the moon, as we were, 
Yes. It is 50 years, half a century, since Pink Floyd, Pink Floyd released Dark Side of the Moon. I was I was at school when it came out, and um, it was that kind of ages me, doesn't it? And it's uh, I don't know if you're a fan of Pink Floyd. I imagine not, because there's no well, spoons or ukuleles involved. I, I've never heard the album as a whole, but I've heard one or two of the tracks oh. since. Yeah, it's quite nice. You have to listen to the album as a whole because it is Do very you? much okay. Uh, it's uh, very difficult to album. listen to an album as a whole now, unless you actually have the LP, isn't it? Oh, well, you could listen to it. I suppose the CD in order, CD? But yes, but yes. most times when you put the CDs in, there is need to play in order. When you put CDs in, well, I don't mean CDs. I mean when you actually have all the tracks on your on your you know in your digital playing system, it's quite hard. I find sometimes to get them to play in order, but I'm sure it can be done. I will, turn I will off turn off it. shuffle mode, and it will play oh, them in order. That'll be that'll do it. Anyway, so this is now, my age. I think I think it's very difficult to turn off shuffle mode, especially when I'm on my slippers. <laughs> this is the dark side of the moon mm. project, pro hyphen jacks turntable for playing the album, and it matches the album cover. So it is a triangular piece of glass mm. which has the uh, the disc mounted on top of it with a white band of light that comes in from one side and a spectrum that shoots out the other side. And it looks remarkably, more or less, like <laughs> the album cover, until you put a record on it, of course, because that then hides the uh, the triangular glass yes. plate underneath. A mere $2,000. So if you're a serious Dog Tide of the Moon fan, which I imagine you're actually not, project-audio.com and you can snag one of your very own. But given how popular the album was, I'm imagining you could buy quite a lot of copies of the original for less than that. You could buy... Well, I've got a copy of the original on, on vinyl. Yeah, but you probably and, bought um, it then, didn't you? I did. I bought it way back then, exactly. Yes, well, I imagine it's gone up a few quid since then. I Well, I imagine it is. I mean, it was the best-selling album of possibly of all time, I don't know. And so there were an awful lot of them printed. It's not like a, a rare penny black where there are only a few in circulation. Circulation, get it? Going round and round. Yes, anyway, yes. there's lots of these in circulation. Yes, I wonder what album I was buying back in 1973. It was probably George Formby. Well, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I'm trying to think. I probably could think, um, but I'm not going to reveal my... Antediluvian tastes to you. <laughs> but maybe it's time well. for me to listen to it. 50 years on, um, I will give it a go. And finally, do you ever get itchy skin? Well, I do when I read stories about bedbugs, yes. Oh, but I know. It's horrendous. I'm we, imagining all manner of horrible things, but not yes. usually. If you, have a, if you have a cat, then you might have occasionally had cat fleas in mm. your bed. And once you've got rid of them, you're still plagued by the psychological cat fleas. Yes. And the psychological cat fleas are much harder to get rid of than the than the real thing. <laughs> yes. Though you can anyway. use imaginary flea powder. <laughs> and if you do get itchy skin, how itchy is your skin? Well, exactly. You can't exactly how do you, well, how yes, do you tell? Yes, yes. Fairly, slightly itchy, very itchy. Well, if you're a dermatologist, I mean you're not if you go to a dermatologist. And they it's say, a bit well, late for a career change, but I get what you mean. How itchy is your skin? And you say, well, I'm kind of, kind of itchy. Well, Carnegie Mellon University have come up with an accelerometer hmm. that you wear on your index finger, and it measures the speed 
and intensity of your scratching, from which the dermatologist can work out just how itchy your skin is. Oh. And it's uh, there's a contact microphone that also records the vibrations. And then it takes all that data, the little circuit board that you place on your forearm, and that processes the data and it gives the dermatologist a readout to how hard you're scratching and therefore they can work out just about how itchy your skin is well as my mother from south wales would say there's clever um well, there's clever indeed yeah however i having scratched myself this morning reading about bedless i'm not sure i was using my index finger but i'm sure they'll have thought of that oh uh would they use all your fingers all four of your fingers no if it's in the back which is oh i wouldn't find you know when you think you're scratching it's in the back you use your thumb Oh, you well. I suppose. Okay, then you just attach this device <laughs> oh, to whichever digit so. you're using so. to scratch with. It's all very clever. Anyway, <laughs> so thank you very much indeed. That's it for this edition of Gadget and Gizmos. Is it a gadget? Is it a gizmo? No, it's gadgets and gizmos with Steve Kaplan and Simon Rose.